Welcome, welcome everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hawk Talk. I am one of your hosts, Colin Cole. Uh, I am joined by my resident co-host, um, two-time All Big Ten, three-year three starter at right tackle. Uh, last week's show, he talked a little bit about himself. I did that a lot last year, but I'm gonna let him bloat a little bit. You know, that's that's better for him to do than to me, anyways. But without further ado, my co-host David Porter. David, welcome, buddy. Thank you, man. I'm glad to be here again. It's always fun being here with you and spending some time. And you talk about me. We're not going to talk about you like at all. Like you okay. kind of like kind of special. It's, it's a really big deal what you've done. There's no problem. I think it's awesome. There's no need. What we can talk about is we can talk about these Hawkeyes. Let's just jump right in. Oh, wow. We're going to talk can about we... Hawkeye Nation versus Cyclone not... Nation. We're going to talk about. We to. We're going to talk about September 11th. Unfortunately, it's of 2022, which is uh, which was not a very good day uh, for for Hawk fans. Um, Ten to seven is your final score of what was a very difficult game to watch. Um, if you like offense, um, it was uh, not a very good performance. It was definitely one of those. It, it was uh, kind of a, a a little bit of a pickup from the week previous, uh, what we saw from South Dakota State. But, you know, it, what, what, what we do know is that um, we did put up an offensive touchdown this week, David. Um, LaShawn Williams was able to get into the end zone um, with a run off of an early turnover that the Hawk defense was able to, to, to get from that Cyclone offense. Um, quick march into the end zone. Um, so, Let's just start there. Start there. The uh, the ground game got started early, the first couple minutes of the game. And uh, where did it go from there? It kind of uh, – it got going. I thought we had great momentum, like you said, after that – off of that turnover. Uh, again, cost me our great defense. Those guys are actually playing really, really well. Um, but uh, once we got that ball in there, we had good momentum going. Uh, That's the first quarter. The first time I really our offense has started quickly in a, in a while. And – now, it looked like the ball, we were just going to start to roll. And then all of a sudden, um, we just kind of hit the – we got a slow motion button or we hit a pause. And the offense started to sputter, three and out. And then you start to see uh, Iowa State there start to get some more confidence, right? And as they started to get more confidence, it kind of played out throughout the rest of the game. We didn't score another touchdown nor a field goal for the rest of the game. We got it. We're rolling donuts for the next three quarters. And these guys came in in the second quarter and they kicked the field goal, got the field goal in. So we're seven, three up going into the half, right? Coming off the second half we're we're looking at it. And, you know, third quarter defensive struggle, the defenses out there were just freaking, they were awesome. Uh, you had the sack leader, the, the, the sack reigning sack leader and ISU history out there playing against our offense. And then you got our defense out there playing against uh, uh, Mr. Decker out there. So we it was a defensive struggle. We called this last week. And going into the fourth quarter, we had a chance. I mean, that's all, pretty much all you can ask for these days. We had a chip and a prayer, and we got out there, and they scored a touchdown, and we didn't. We didn't. And that really was the game. I mean, we Even at the end, our defense got the ball back for us, uh, with an opportunity to score and send us to score, win the game, or two to kick a free, kick a field goal, 
and sent us in overtime, and we just couldn't execute for whatever reason that was. So uh, hard-fought game. Um, Definitely a defensive struggle. Our special teams, I mean, we had two block punts. Um, That really kept it really closer than what it really was. But that, I think it was the third, yeah, it was the third quarter drive by uh, uh, by Iowa State, that 21-play, 99-yard drive. They started in third quarter and then in the fourth and then in the touchdown. That really that took all the air out of out of Kinnick. And that is they imposed their will on us. And at that point, it looked like there really wasn't much we could do about it. So that kind of momentum just shifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about that. I mean, you and I talked about that. That was a 99-yard drive that lasted 11 minutes and 49 seconds that took up 21 plays, 21 plays, 11 minutes and 49 clock minutes and seconds. Like, uh, that's demoralizing to any team. It reminded me, it reminded me, David, a lot of the 2015 championship team when they went into uh, Indy to play Michigan State, to that game drive that that team had. That's what it reminded me of, unfortunately. Um, but the, yeah. the thing about it, the difference is, is that this team, this defense, not only did they create turnovers, not only did they, they hold Iowa State under under their, their season average total, but they got the ball back. And like you said, there was an opportunity for this offense to move down the field and tie it up to end regulation, regardless of what the score was, regardless of what the uh, the numbers were. I mean, Spencer at that point was 12 for 20. He went to the game 12 for 26, 92 yards. One interception. Our total offensive output on, on the ground, I want to say we had about, what, uh, 18 carries for less than a little over 50 yards. Um, about 58. Yep. 58 yards, bro. Um, so the defense, special teams worked tremendously and, and uh, gave the offense opportunities and uh, things just weren't able to work out. What were you, I mean, obviously, uh, Spencer going 12 for 26 um, was, is not lights out, you know, you know, being able to only amass 92 total yards. Where, where are they coming up short, in your opinion, at this point? At, at this point, I mean, we're missing wide open receivers. Uh, there's no other way to put it. I mean, the ball is being, it's sailing over the receiver's head. It's not getting to that right, I'll call the catchable uh, pocket for the receivers to, to even be able to make a play on the ball. And, you know, our third down efficiency, we were only three for 11, right? That That's tough. We got a defense playing like that. We got to give them some rest. Uh, the time of possession it is really just crushing our defense. These guys are taking a lot of plays, and we saw that. And once we got to that that, that 21 play, 99-yard drive, the defense at some point, there was like they need a break. There's only so much these muscles can take. So third down efficiency sustaining a drive sustaining your blocks that's kind of where we have to be uh we got to establish the run game because right now from what i saw there they're not respecting the run game or the pass game and these defenses are just pinning their ears back and coming yeah unfortunately that is the case um we talked about the run game talked about the the performance or or lack thereof um what are what are some of the, the the positives that we take out of this game. When we talk about uh, what we saw from LaShawn Williams, we saw Gavin Williams getting there a little bit, and that's the guy I want to see more of, man. But uh, what are you thinking about where, where this team has to go? I mean, what were some of the things that we would say have been a positive 
uh, growth growth wise week one to week two? The positive thing was like the first quarter, we saw the run game get going. All right. They started hitting that back, that back seam, that back home, like we were talking about last year. And it, it seems as though uh, LaShawn is reading that hole pretty well, but Gavin, I definitely want to see him out in there in the mix. He was supposed to be, he was slated to be the starter this year. Now there's reason for that. And Betts, he was a pretty good running back for us when he played. Uh, I think he's a pretty good judge of, uh, uh, of ability of a running back too. So getting Gavin back there, letting him mesh with that offensive line and, uh, you know, getting that going, it'll take some pressure off the run game. I think that will help out a lot to get that going because 58 yards of rushing, um, is really tough to win a game, especially when, as we're going into the uh, the Big Ten season. We got what one more game against Nevada, then we're then we're flying out out east to, to Rutgers, mm-hmm. and then there's Michigan after that. The, the, the schedule gets real. It gets real. Yes, it so gets very real. This this uh, the cyclone. Let's let's wrap these guys up. I don't want to talk about them too much, but this cyclone <laughs> cyclone offense led by Deckers. You know he, he had a decent day, but he threw two picks. This this uh, Hawkeye defense is real. Um, has done a tremendous job going back the last couple of years. But uh, this year, uh, you know, I saw some guys make some plays, man. All, the, the Schulte kid, number 30, he's, uh, he's he, he really makes some plays for this defense. And, you know, one of the other things that I have to say is that um, they're bringing along a lot of these younger players, too. We saw we saw um, Parade All-American uh, or McDonald's All-American, um, Cooper DeJean, DeJean, I don't want to say his name correctly. I hope it's DeJean. Uh, the young man from uh, from Des Moines, the youngster out of Des Moines, he's got as a true freshman, he got some some key reps and he made some key plays. A couple of plays he almost had a, a interference on or, or holding on, but uh, he's uh, going to be a, a great addition for this team if we can if we can manage to keep him on our, our on his roster. Uh, he'll he'll definitely continue to grow and uh, being a part of Phil Parker's defense. So we see what, what those uh, what those players are able to do. So and, and uh, so let's move on to our receiving core. Right, we had four players uh, with receptions uh, throughout the game, and that was a total of twelve receptions. Sam Laporta led the crew with eight total catches, fifty-five yards. Luke Lachey was next with two catches for fourteen yards. Alec Wick and Arlen Bruce round out the receiving uh, with two catches, uh, one apiece, one with fourteen for Alec Wick and one of nine for, for Arlen Bruce. But you know, Arlen got a couple of. Uh, run opportunities but he didn't get many he didn't get any yards from those carries um my man pot of bomb pot of bomb i feel for my man pot of bomb man fullbacks don't get the ball fullbacks don't play in the, in the game anymore fullbacks don't even it's, it's, a, it's almost non-existent position now but my man pot of bomb got a carry and he, he let it go it was it was it was heartbreak it was crushing it was crushing it was a crushing blow for the offense it was crushing for my man pot of bomb he ain't gonna give him the ball no more so, you know, I hope that he's able to recover. I hope uh, our offense can, can can come back from that. But, you know, we talk about this passing game. We already talked about last week uh, the injuries that uh, that this, this, this offense is dealing with. Um, where do we go from here? I mean, how do we get uh, this passing game on, on track? And how does this offense find its rhythm again? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure where we go. I mean, if we get the receivers back and they're healthy, that that's a start, right? But when you put, call these stats out, and our offense total looked up, uh, we put up, what, 92 yards passing total? And their one player, Xavier Hutchinson, had 98 yards receiving. All right? that That's one player beat our entire team. And 
you keep going down the list. His number two guy, uh, Jalen Noel, he had 23. Our number two guy had 14. We just need to get our guys more balls. And, you know, their top receivers are actually the wide receivers, not the tight ends. That becomes a really big thing for us. We know we have guys that are down. We had those two transfers. Um, uh, Charlie, he, he and uh, Tyrone both went to Purdue. They're number one and number two at Purdue right now. I think Charlie had, what, 128, 130 yards receiving last week. Tyrone had like 38 or 40, plus he had another 40 yards rushing. I mean, we need to find ways to fill those holes that are left there, that those vacancies from, uh, you know, Charlie leaving and Tyrone leaving. And getting these guys healthy really helps. You know, Nico Regani, I'm not sure if he how healthy he's going to be in the next couple of weeks, but getting him back really helps. Uh, take some pressure off these guys because it's not just the game. It's also the reps in practice these guys are dealing with as well, right? That's a lot on these guys. Just like on the defense, if they start getting a lot of plays and it accumulates over time, it's just going to break them down. So. No question, man. No question. On the season so far, um, our guy, Spencer Petrus, is 23 for 51 total, um, with a total of 201 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns yet the burning question is on hawkeye nation's mind how long do we stick with spencer peters as a starting quarterback what uh what is what does this coaching staff need to decide what do, what do you need to see uh, to make the decision to go ahead and 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 move on and give alex padilla an opportunity not even necessarily to move on but at least give him an opportunity to see if this offense can get a spark from what uh, alex brings to the table how long do you think that lasts before that happens if i'm iowa i'm doing it this week I'm doing it this week. We got two games. I'll call them tune-up games, right? We got Nevada, then we got Rutgers, and then here comes Michigan. And then I know they're saying they haven't had enough film to do a fair evaluation on the, on Petrus, but to I me, mean, it's been he's a three-year starter, he's a fifth-year senior. I'm not sure how much more time we really need to evaluate him, but whatever time they need to do this, um, I think a fair thing would be let's look at Alex and what he does in the game compared to what. Uh, Spencer does in a game. They both get two games. And as we really get into the Big Ten season and the guys that are, you know, top 10 in the country come into our house, and then we have to go to Ohio State as well. I forgot about that. You know, then we can really say, okay, we have a real like live game situation and we'll call it evaluation, film to evaluate off of. I think that's fair. But that's what I would be doing. I'm not sure what they're going to do. That's a good, yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us know what they're going to do. Um, you know, we, I talked about it in the last show. You know, uh, Kirk Ferentz said that he had an open competition back in the spring and evaluated both of those guys. And Spencer gives this offense the best chance to win. So that being said, if that is the case, what do we expect to see from Alex Padilla? We don't know. However, um, what we've seen so far this season at least gives it a lens that the, the, the thought to bringing in somebody who can maybe add a different spark. As we know, Alex Padilla is more of a runner. As we know, he likes to throw on a run. And as we know, with a young and inexperienced offensive line, it's probably better to move the pocket, get him out on some, some naked, some boots, get him out of the pocket. You know, don't have him be a guy that's sitting in the pocket and having to uh, maneuver a pocket, dealing with the pass rush coming straight at you. So, that's what I hope um, they look at. You know, there's no knock 
on Spencer whatsoever. You know, it's, it's a difficult situation because you want your best 11 out on the field. Uh, but at this point, at one and one, and considering where this offense, how this offense ended last season, how the defense and special teams scored more points than the offense did the second half of the season, I think that uh, short of somebody riding in on a white horse some, some from somewhere uh, saving this team, you have to explore your options. And I would assume that uh, this 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 program still has aspirations of getting back into Big Ten conversation, still has aspirations, obviously, of moving the team forward with a lot of the talent that they have. So guys got to step up and the coaches got to make the difficult decisions. So that's my take on it. We'll see how things shake out. Nevada comes to town, comes to, to Iowa City next this uh, this upcoming Saturday. It's going to be it's going to be another opportunity. But uh, the thing about it, man, is uh, this offense has hasn't shown anything thus far this season. So We'll see how things shake out from here. Any last thoughts, David? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm hoping for vast improvement from, uh, you know, week two to week three. Uh, that step that we were all anticipating from week one to week two, I'm not quite sure we took a full step there. So uh, I'm I'm very hopeful for the season. Um, but, you know, we with this whole NIL and the, the transfer portal and all that good stuff, we need to be mindful that, well, these guys, these kids actually do have options these days, too. Right, no Recent history should tell us that. No question. That's where this game is. That's where this game is. So 7.30 p.m., uh, we're going to bring you the uh, the, po- the pregame show later this week. Um, but uh, 7.30 p.m., uh, Iowa City, Iowa, Kinnick Stadium, play host to the, uh, the Nevada Wolfpack. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting game. We'll see how that, that shakes out. Uh, until next time, we'll see you. I'm Colin Cole, uh, also bringing to you David Porter. Uh, thank you guys for, for joining us, and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.